All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Ryan Selkis, and you're listening to Masari's Unqualified Opinions, where each week I interview crypto's top builders, investors, and personalities to discuss the key trends in the industry. You can discover more about Masari at masari.io. But for now, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the top blockchain events and media production companies I've worked with. For exclusive content and events that could help you with insight into the crypto and blockchain space, check them out at blockworksgroup.io and you will not be disappointed. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Masaru's Unqualified Opinions. I'm Ryan Selkis at 2-Bit Idiots. I told you we got a great season coming up this year. And uh, joined by uh, none other than Balaji Srinivasan, who's now the editor-in-chief of Nakamoto, which has made quite a bit of noise uh, after its auspicious launch just a, a week and a half ago on the anniversary of, of the, the launch of the Bitcoin network. Um, Balaji, I assume many people in the industry will, will know uh, and find familiar. He's been a pioneer in the space. He's a serial entrepreneur, was a partner at Andreessen Horowitz, uh, was the founder of 21, which became Earn. It uh, was, of course, acquired by Coinbase, where he was most recently the CTO. So I uh, have, have uh, crossed paths multiple times with Balaji uh, over the last six and a half years that I've been in the industry. Um, and he's always a treat to learn from. Uh, and the thing uh, I think that, that everybody's probably most interested in right now, Balaji, um, is what exactly is Nakamoto and, and you know why did you decide that this was going to be the next project that you tackled? Um, but just to, to maybe put a little bit more uh, skin on the bone from my intro, you know, would, would love to hear your origin story within crypto and maybe like the two-minute version of how we even got to this point um, and, and really what's helped shape your opinions of the industry so that you know that this is the kind of next um, right path for you as an entrepreneur. Totally. Yeah. So thanks for that kind intro, Ryan. I mean, one thing I, I might just start off by saying is, you know, crypto is certainly important to me and it might be 99% of what your audience knows about me. But, um, you know, prior to getting to crypto, um, you know, so I, uh, like I got my PhD at Stanford. I taught, you know, statistics and CS there, founded a genomics company, sold that for 375 million, also investor in like superhuman, Soylent, Lambda School, you know, a bunch of, bunch of tech startups and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, so I do tweet about that stuff, but for a reason, you know, everyone wants to go about crypto all the time, which is great, right? But I also like genomics. I like machine learning. You know, that's other, other stuff I'm, I'm into. Um, on, on the topic of, like, you know, how, how I got into crypto, um, I think, you know, there's a few different threads, but one of them was in, you know, doing genomics, I, I learned... Um, you know, what the state really was, <laughs> you know, so as, as an academic, you know, the worst thing the the government can do is basically not renew your grant, right? The worst thing you can do is like not give you money. Um, yeah. As an entrepreneur, it's quite different, you know, essentially an arbitrary decision by somebody. If you think Apple or Google is arbitrary sometimes in their platform decisions, uh, you know, those at least are private companies. You can kind of get out there and appeal, um, you know, the, the US government can be, you know, 10x or 100x worse. Uh, and that was something that I learned in that space. And people saw some of this where, you know, there are conflicts between the state and the, F and, and the FDA and, and 23 and me and so on. But that, that was definitely something that was an experience where I realized how serious that was. And the other thing was, of course, financial crisis. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about for a long time, I tweeted about this, was that perhaps you might want to denominate things in, in J-O-U-L-E-S, jewels, as like a fundamental currency. Um, uh, because, you know, now that would be something that, 
even if there was inflation, you could say, okay, how many joules does it take to assemble this iPhone? And that'd be something you could compare. So I was thinking about the nature of money as well. So those are the two things that led me to crypto. Um, to your, your question about uh, Nakamoto itself, right? Like, what are we you know, trying to do with, with Nakamoto? Why, why did we set it up? Um, basically, what, uh, you know, when, when I'm building with Nakamoto is something, well, first that I enjoy doing, which is I enjoy, um, you know, writing and teaching and learning about crypto. Um, back in 2013, I had a, a MOOC course um, through Stanford that I think was one of the first courses to teach anything about Bitcoin at scale. And we had more than 250,000 students. Some of those folks actually went on to contribute to Bitcoin.org, like, uh, like Will Benz and, and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, this was something which I, I think helped. I think it was useful on the margins. Then I got busy with other things and I didn't have the, the time to do education. But that's basically my first love is both learning and, and, and kind of teaching. And so that's, that's kind of the first reason I did. I wanted to do something that, that, uh, that I'd enjoy doing every day, number one. Number two is um, I, uh, I wanted to uh, have a, a way to bridge various gaps within the community. Um, as we'll get to probably later in the conversation, um, I understand the rationale for crypto anarchy, but I believe in crypto civilization. Okay. It's a good so, quip. Mm -hmm. It's a good quip, right? So, so that's, you know, if you actually take crypto seriously and you realize how powerful it is and you realize that it is true that the crypto will inherit the earth, um, I think that we, we really want to think about what sort of society we want to build in 2030 or 2040. And, uh, you know, I think crypto anarchy is better than anarchy for sure, because, you know, crypto provides some bandaid on that. If you just look at what anarchy mm -hmm. means in the dictionary, it means disorder, chaos, it's all negative pretty much, right? Crypto anarchy provides at least some order on top of the anarchy. But I think what people actually want, I mean, you don't really want a trustless society. A trustless society means when you go and buy a cup of coffee, you have to go and put a dipstick in it to, to see that you weren't poisoned, you know? Um, <laughs> like that, that's bad, right? Like, like, like people who have escaped, you know, in, in places in, you know, South America or, you know, what have you, there's, there's kidnappings, there's, that's what a low trust society looks like, right? And, uh, and, and people who have escaped those societies don't really want that. Um, so it is good that you can have a technology that functions with a very low amount of trust or no trust. But really what I think of is crypto isn't about, or shouldn't it be about like trusting no one. It's about giving you a choice of who to trust because you can always exit. You can move your currency out. You can opt into something. And so then the question is, what do we opt into? Or what is that future we're building? Is it Mars or Mad Max? You know, and uh, I, I'm interested in Mars and I'm interested in, you know, the, the, uh, the individual and I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in what, you know, um, what, what I think the true spirit of, of crypto is. And that's why I want to build a Nakamoto community that's focused around those values. It makes sense. Um, and it, you got off to a, a, a phenomenal start, obviously, you know, the, the, the guiding vision post that you laid out was one of the more popular ones. Um, recently in recent memory, uh, that was a rallying cry of sorts for you know, why the community should, should, actually contribute and, and take seriously this new education resource. Um, and you have a very impressive list of, of contributors early on, some, you know, 60 of the you know, top thinkers and, and tinkerers within the space. Um, you know, it, it strikes me that, you know, we kind of went through phases in Bitcoin where the early phase and, and, and forum was Bitcoin talk, right? It was for the hardcore, um, developers at first and then ultimately some of the libertarians started to um to join and, and really early gold bug investors in bitcoin and then we you know kind of saw the slightly more 
um, open jump to Reddit. Bitcoin talk was still important, sure. but Reddit, you know, is this this open community. Um, I'd say it was kind of phase two, especially until the the Bitcoin fork wars. And that's when things really started to get toxic because it was around the same time that Ethereum launched. It was around the same time that other, you know, alternative assets uh, started to pick back up in prominence. And and you you saw the Bitcoin dominance go from 90%, uh, I think, during the last bear market and and gradually eroded uh, through the ICO boom until it fell below 50%. Um, and that's when Twitter uh, really took off because you couldn't trust the Reddit forum moderators anymore either. So at least, you know, Jack and Twitter are, you know, uh, objective and, and neutral in the, in the chaos of the conversation. Um, Nakamoto, in some ways, it seems like it's, you know, full circle where you're trying to uh, create this meritocratic discussion forum um, where, you know, individuals that actually have some street cred are able to contribute. Um, but the guiding principle has to be that there's some type of civility and, you know, people aren't talking past each other and just shitposting like you see on, you know, the, the social platforms that are just no moderation, right? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. And so how, 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 do, how do you see this, you know, working in the kind of short and medium term as this gets off the ground? And then maybe there's a longer term question for how do you grow the pie and, and continue to make this um, a vibrant community versus a, a what, what tends to happen, which is this community started great and then it hits a certain number and then sure. just, it just evolves. Great question. So actually I've thought a lot about this. It doesn't mean we'll be successful, but at least I've, at least I've thought about it. Um, so, um, a few thoughts. One is I want to actually discuss this concept of civility. Um, and, uh, the idea here is, um, there, there's kind of like an A, B and a C. So people will call for civility and discourse and then fairly sophisticated radicals of many different political persuasions will argue against this. And they'll say, you know, um, like, like, you know, there'll be folks on, on the left or the libertarian right will say, oh, civility is just a, a tool to control the discourse. It's just a way for power to, to censor people. You just want us to shut up and, and so on and so forth. Or, or and, you're normalizing bad behavior. Or you're normalizing bad behavior. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and, then, and you know, now we have a food fight where, where you know, like uh, whether Republican or Democrat or, you know, with anything, um, the, the sick burn the the dis uh you know the the distortion the straw man the clickbait that is what gets attention you know and and twitter is metabolizing it's digesting the, the trust that exists within society um and just as an example if you know like it is completely normal it's considered totally normal for someone to go up to somebody else in a twitter thread and just yell f you at them right <laughs> but but you wouldn't go in, to starbucks and do that in person Right. Like you wouldn't just go up to some random stranger, even if you overheard their conversation, you wouldn't just go up to them and just scream at you in their face. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, now, now <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure it's I know. I know a few people within crypto that might do that at a conference, but maybe not to a random stranger. Right. So so the uh, the thing that I realized is. Um, Twitter is not real life, but it will be. So this is the thing that's concerning to me. So if we break that down, and then I'll come back to like how we plan to deal with this in Akimoto. First problem and then possible solution. Mm -hmm. um, the problem, I think, is in, in non-trivial part one of incentives. On Twitter, if you start a fight, that gains you followers, that gains you likes, and that gains you attention. Um, but if, and that's monetizable, right? In the real world, if you start a fight, 
that gains you police attention, which is often not valued, right? However, we're starting to see with this new wave of social apps like TikTok and so on is just to give you a sense of escalating severity. There's a guy who's standing on the edge of a ravine and running back and forth for likes. There's another guy who's dangerously driving on the highway, like swerving underneath a tanker trailer. He's like, I risked a lot for this. Please like this. And in extremists, you have folks like these shooters who literally go and post their video on 4chan for people to give them a thumbs up because, you know, humans are social animals. And these folks have become acculturated. You know, people talk about falling into the wrong peer group. That's what that is, right? You know, mm -hmm. you get, you know, like likes for going and shooting somebody up or, or you know, dangerously driving on the highway and endangering a lot of lives, right? Um, another example of that with some of the riots that happened in Portland, I think we're going to see a lot more, unfortunately, of that where these online incentives basically radicalize people and they do crazy things in the real world for the reinforcement of their peer group. So I think we're going to see actually a lot more than this. You know, it's, that's an edge case of stuff that I mentioned right now, but I think we're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately, in the 2020s. So it's in moments like that that you're like, okay, um, and, and all, everything I said, we've got proof points. Everything I just mentioned is in our rear view mirror, unfortunately. We're going to see more mm -hmm. of that. So, you know, at that point, you're like, okay, actually, maybe there is something to this ability. Just to give you an example, um, you know, your, your body does an immense amount of work with, you know, processes called, for example, feedback inhibition, where, um, or, or the maintenance of blood sugar levels, where keeping a parameter, your blood sugar, within a certain range, it, it should not be too high nor too low. Either side is very bad for you, right? So in certain systems, moderation is an absolute, it's an essential, you know, like, mm -hmm. like often people will, you know, deride centrism as being simply an interpolation of things, it's not pure enough, and, and so on. But it's actually a situational thing. Sometimes if you're too extreme, you will die. And, and so you well, can't just – go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that this is kind of baked into most social platforms now. Right? There, there's always the potential that you could have, you know, bot armies that are upvoting or, or liking or retweeting, and, and that certainly has happened. But um, by and large, you know, moderation is, is baked into just about any good product, right? Um, I, I think the, you know, I, I want to let you finish on this point, but I, I don't think that that was necessarily the issue with Reddit or Twitter or, um, or, you know, Bitcoin talk probably not really as relevant, um, because that community seems like it's more or less stayed put and, and it's uh, very narrow in its applicability, but, um, the moderation uh, systems exist. What you're talking about is, is a, a very different culture, right? There, there's no, guiding culture for Twitter or Reddit or Bingo. any of the other communities that, that have um, really emerged. So um, getting the culture right, it seemed like there was a very good first step uh, with the launch of Nakamoto, you know, massive interest, a lot of, a lot of discussion in the Telegram group the first weekend. Um, but I, I want to I kind of triangulate on that in particular, because I do think that uh, part of the culture, it sounds like you're trying to build, there's a strong emphasis on healthy moderation where you strike that balance rate. Um, that's, so, that's, that's actually right. That's yeah. absolutely right. And um, so how, uh, right? <laughs> how? At that, how is the real question, right? Okay. A little more on, the, on what I think is wrong with, with Twitter in particular, and then what we'll do to fix it. What I think Twitter does is it results in um, quantifiable, uncapped virtue signaling mm -hmm. in any community. Okay. For example, you can't be woke enough. Um, and you know, this is something that started in academia, but now has gotten out there where folks are literally 
talking about how, you know, math is white supremacy, which would be a big surprise to the, you know, Arabs who invented algebra and Indians and Chinese. And, you know, math is a universal culture. Like lots of people contributed to that, right? Mm -hmm. So they're so woke that they've actually like inverted and perverted whatever they think they were doing, which is tolerance. And, um, and I think that that is true within lots of other cultures. For example, you know, uh, Christian fundamentalism, Islamic fundamentalism, communism, you know, these folks would just compete because it was a pure status ladder. You could never be pure enough. They'd, they'd come with some new purity test. Okay. And uh, part of that is um, it's, you know, status is a zero sum game. And you, if you want to be at the top of the Twitter leaderboard each day, uh, you, you know, it, it's, it's not something where you're contributing value, you're contributing words, not a scarce resource you're contributing. And you're basically trying to outcompete others. And I think that that has, you know, come to the crypto community within, you know, maybe completely obviously, the purity testing is getting more, you know, like intense in, in all of the sub subcultures. I'm not trying to call any particular group out. And I think that's an incentives problem. And so what's, what's the solution to that? Well, first is, uh, one, and these are all tools, which, um, you know, I did, a, I did a tweet on this actually yesterday where there's like 10 tools that I want to apply. And we're going to experiment, and I'm not saying that I've got like a perfect solution or anything like that, okay? But some macro concepts. Number one is I want Nakamoto to be focused on learning and earning. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if you're just there to socialize, and there's no purpose that people have. You know, there's that saying like idle hands are the devil's playground, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's significantly less trolling, for example, on let's say GitHub or in Google Docs, so to speak, right? Because they're kind of workplaces, right? And an interesting question is, can we get uh, a productive site that also has some degree of positive socialization, you know? Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, like in a, in a small company's corporate Slack, people aren't trolling each other. You know, they are, they're having productive discussions and what have you. And I'd argue that's because there's economic alignment there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this gets me to the second question. One thing I've thought a lot about is that crypto allows us to scale cap tables. Um, you know, the cap table took you know, all these people from around the world and align them to build Facebook and Google and, you know, Dropbox and all these amazing Silicon Valley companies. And that was just really aligning a few hundred people from, from everywhere, right? Crypto allows us to build cap tables that have not a hundred people, but a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'd like to do with Nakamoto is have an admissions criteria. And this is something we're going to, you know, announce and experiment with. I'm not saying this is final. Okay. But let me float it. Okay. Um, which is proof of HODL and proof of BIPOL. All right. Proof of HODL, the idea is to put a cap on virtue signaling. Um, we encourage every Nakamoden to uh, HODL up to one BTC. Now, we recognize that not everybody can afford that. That's like seven or $8,000. We recognize that. Um, for some people, the number might be 0.1 BTC. For some people, even 0.01 BTC or even less than that if you're in the developing world. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you do... Uh, you essentially acquire that amount of Bitcoin and you pseudonymously prove via a digital signature that you hodl that amount. And there's different ways to do that. You can do that with a time lock. Um, you can do that with, uh, you know, something where you keep it in an address and if you move it, you know, you're logged out or something. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and, and I might start it, for example, with just, uh, you know, the dumbest trust mechanism where I just sort of trust people to say, yes, I hodl this much. And I say, okay, we're going to roll out the you know, the, the challenge, um, you know, authentication version of it in a few months, you know, when we code it, right. Just, I don't want to rush it out, you know, like, like that might be mm -hmm. easier or we, or we use code. It's fine. So, uh, so we do proof of HODL. And the great thing about that is 
once you have hodled that certain amount, let's say it's one BTC or 0.1 BTC or whatever is a consensus, then no one can test you anymore. Okay, that is no longer the dimension on which you're being tested. Your purity is no longer being tested. You paid your dues, <laughs> right? You're a dues paying member. Okay, so then, but that's not sufficient, right? That is, that is necessary, but not sufficient. The second component is proof of middle, so B-U-I-D-L. And what that means is, all right, you hodl, but are you a builder? Are you somebody who's a positive some person? Are you generally constructive? Are you polite? And one way of thinking about this, you know, th there's this one-liner, people will quibble it with it, but just let me give it as a one-liner. People will say, in engineering, your, your GitHub is your resume, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing I think about for Nakamoto is, if your GitHub is your resume, your Twitter is your character. If, yeah, you know, I'm not saying, right? Okay, let me, you, I, you, I, 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 I like that. Uh, keep going, because there's a, a few things that we're gonna, a few threads that we're gonna pull on here. Good, okay, so. Finish the thought. The thing is, I recognize also that people sometimes get in fights on Twitter. People sometimes, you know, they, they succumb to the, the sick burn. You know, they, they'll diss somebody. They'll, they'll first strike. I get that that happens from time to time. Um, but if it's a pattern of behavior, like if you're just like a, like a mean person, you know, and, and that's something which is hard to quantify. I mean, you could probably run sentiment analysis on people's tweets. Um, but, but it's something where over, over a period of time, if you've, if you've shown yourself to be a poor character, um, if, you, if you're somebody who is, is driven by like hatred, and unfortunately there are some people who are like this, and, and this is not mm -hmm. like you know, one particular community or anything like that. You know these people exist on Twitter. There's some crazy, crazy people on Twitter. Um, if, if you're not a builder, and this is in the broadest sense, by the way, that could be an engineer, of course, but it could be mm -hmm. a founder, it could be an investor, uh, it could be a writer, it could be a professor, it could be, it could be a plumber, it could be a tradesman, it could be a journalist even, oh my God. <laughs> but, but basically, it's just somebody who has a positive attitude. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and you know, it, that's something where, how, how we define that, I think what we do is we have initial seed group of Nakamotans, right? Like, you know, a Nakamotan is someone who's at Nakamoto. Uh, initial seed group of Nakamotans, and they would basically do proof of bill, almost like a proof of stake vote um, to kind of approve, you know, like these three people say this person is good, let's let them in the community. Now, if they let somebody in the community who is later than, you know, misbehaves or, or is, you know, like, like banned or what have you, then those people may lose their ability to invite for six months or a year, for example. Mm -hmm. That's a strong man for what I think of as the initial mechanism, proof of hodl plus proof of bill. So let me pause there and get your thoughts on that and I can give one. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a ton to unpack there. So, you know, for for starters, um, the learn and earn concept uh, it, it it resonates, right? Uh, and and for many reasons, but one of uh, not the least of which is many people at this point are not going to be able to buy a full Bitcoin and and right. the economy, right? So you have to start re-engineering how uh, people acquire their initial crypto, which 99 times out of 100 is probably gonna be Bitcoin and then it trickles down. So I buy that thesis that if you're long crypto, you're almost inevitably long Bitcoin because if Bitcoin goes under, if it's you know flipping by ETH anytime in the near medium term, I don't think people realize what a disaster that would be, uh, just from, from a narrative standpoint, from a, a sure. cultural and, um, and, uh, and kind of mainstream investment standpoint. But um, what's, what's you know, maybe more interesting is the way that you're thinking about um, the, you know, making sure that people are bought in. And, and I think this is probably where some of the pushback uh, came from as, you know, many people objected to the use of the name Nakamoto because there were some contributors that had built EOS and Bitcoin Cash and, uh, you know, a handful of other um, 
you might argue complementary, but others might argue competitive uh, ecosystems. And and if the litmus test was you only have to own one Bitcoin, and you know EOS uh, did a, a Block One did a four billion dollar crowd sale uh, that they sold, and then mostly sold four Bitcoin that they now hold in Treasury. Well, of course, of course they owned you know plenty of Bitcoin. That doesn't necessarily. Uh, mean that that uh, the community is is just going to like wipe the slate clean and say, oh, well, this was a worthwhile experiment if they think that it, you know, it, it was a, a scam. And I'm not singling out, you know, block one, but this I think might apply to any uh, token team that is part of the early uh, conversation. Let's forget about the early contributors, but part of the early conversation because, um, it's it, it, it's almost impossible for them to not own a certain amount of Bitcoin, but the incentive misalignment could still be rather extreme where, you know, they're either pitching their own book or they don't necessarily have uh, great intentions. And some of the loudest cr critics uh, might have the best of intentions, even if they're obnoxious, in, in kind of calling out and shedding light on, on some of the discrepancies with uh, contributor stories or, or you know, the, the ethics of how they you know, bootstrap their projects in some cases. Um, because we're so talking me, about financial, because we're talking about financial assets, it, it's hard to separate the two, I guess, right? So, so um, like the tech angle, I understand, um, but but because they're financial tech, and there are kind of associated tokens, how do you extricate those two things? Because you do need to have some type of um, steel man, bull bear case, and and an actually interesting debate about uh, some of these projects that are going to be covered. Um, but I don't know that a litmus test is necessary or even possible. So uh, several, several thoughts. Let me, all right. Um, so first is, um, I think our philosophy is Bitcoin and not Bitcoin or, mm -hmm. and that's actually where I think the community is in practice in the sense of, um, you know, at Coinbase, no matter what community I met with, uh, and, and you probably experienced this yourself, um, you know, they may be in privacy coins and maybe, you know, people who are competing privacy coins, competing smart contract platforms, everybody knew, uh, respected and held Bitcoin, right? But um, a lot of those folks, you know, recognize that Bitcoin was digital gold. And, you know, if, if you go back and you read actually all of Satoshi's own writings, and this is a point that I'm making in this post, opening sentence, Satoshi Nakamoto was not a troll. Satoshi Nakamoto was calm, cool, pragmatic and pro-technology. He avoided confrontation. He avoided confrontation with WikiLeaks. He never yelled at anybody. I mean, the most he ever got, the closest he ever got was he said, oh, you know, if you don't, I don't have the time to respond to you. But even then he provided a link. And that was actually a discussion, a technical discussion with Dan Larimer on micropayments um, that, that you can go and look at. It was actually, it's sort of taken out of context. He's meant to sound more dyspeptic than he actually was in that conversation. What, was that comment directed at Dan or was it just part of a yeah, thread with Dan? It, it was part it, of a thread really? with Dan, I think. I believe so, yeah. Um, okay. so, so you can, you can go back and, and look at that. And it, it was, it, it's just something that's quoted out of context as if, mm -hmm. you know, um, but, but over hundreds of posts over years, he basically never lost his temper, never lost his cool, never yelled at anybody. He also said things, he was a supporter of Namecoin. He said, Hey, we can't put everything on the same chain. Um, we bit DNS and, and Bitcoin. It's, it's it makes engineering sense to have multiple chains, right? Now, of course he also said things like, um, he said both, you know, you know, and I don't want to litigate this, okay, but he said both, yeah, we should increase the block size, but he also said, hey, we shouldn't have multiple clients. And so you can find things in his sayings, which are like, you know, scriptures that arguably contradict each other. Now, I'm not, um, 
extremely enthusiastic about, you know, treating Satoshi like Jesus and, and going back in his writings like a religious figure, even though, frankly, that's kind of where some, some folks in the community are, are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of Satoshi as a phenomenal engineer and somebody who I respect, like I respect Newton or, or Maxwell, you know, these are phenomenal, you know, scientists that, that discovered something. But the reason that we named the site Nakamoto was after that Satoshi. You know, the, the original Satoshi, who was an engineer, who engaged with people, who was positive some, who was neutral and pragmatic and pro-tech, and used, tried to use the best tool for the job to advance freedom, even if that meant BitDNS and Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was a pragmatist about it. Okay. Now, then getting to your point about other platforms, well, it's interesting because lots of the you know folks who are prominent now in crypto were some of the earliest folks um, who were talking to Satoshi, for example. So just the other day, you know, there's a thread where Satoshi thanks Zuko in 2010 for writing one of the first blog posts on Bitcoin mm-hmm. and has a discussion with him about how awesome it would be. He didn't know how to add zero knowledge to, to Bitcoin. Nobody did at the time. But he's like, yeah, this would be pretty interesting if we could use zero knowledge proofs here. I'm not sure how you do that. Um, and... You know, so so, insofar as if you think of Bitcoin as digital gold, I do think there's room for other things. But I don't. What's the way I put this? I don't. I don't really want to argue that with people who think it's a zero sum game. If you think mm-hmm. it's a zero sum game, um, then uh, you know th- there's there's certain fundamental libertarian principles which are like you know wealth creation is not zero sum. You know, if if you believe it's it's something where um, you know, there can be different niches and that one person's gain is not necessarily another person's loss. There's, there are zero sum games, but I don't think, I don't believe this is one. So what I'm, what I'm trying to do with Nakamoto is to create a community where everybody can win. Now mm-hmm. I'm not kumbaya about it. I recognize that of course there's going to be some degree of competition somewhere. There's going to be places for fights. I'm sure people are going to fight on crypto Twitter and I'm not going to be able to stop that. Um, but within Nakamoto, I want it to be civil. Okay. Now you made another point, which is, Okay, what about a large company which has some stake in Bitcoin, but has a larger stake in something else? Okay, so um, frankly, almost anybody who has an investment in anything, that's usually true of. Uh, you know, most people will have more in US dollars than they do in Bitcoin. Most people will have, uh, you know, they're not going to have their full net worth in Facebook stock, even if they're a Facebook employee, or even more than 51% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an unrealistic threshold to say, okay, it's a majority. So the next question is, all right, well, maybe it's not a majority, but it should be the single biggest thing that you're working on for your whole life. All right. So my response to that is, and I had a thread on this on ProBTC, um, that is to say there's a thread with me, Pierre Rochard, a few others a few days ago. Um, I, I think let's just start with the premise. Crypto Twitter is not a representative sample of all the Bitcoin holders out there. There's like millions, tens of millions of Bitcoin holders. Mm-hmm. They have voted with their capital. Uh, to buy and hold this cryptocurrency and they put in a hundred or a thousand dollars and they went about their lives. And that's actually quite valuable and good. We should, we should support that. We don't need mm-hmm. everybody to obsess and put out a thousand tweets a day. In fact, it's kind of on balance. I'd rather have somebody <laughs> put in right, a thousand dollars rather than a thousand tweets a day because, mm-hmm. and this is critical, that thousand dollars that they buy and hodl materially, quantifiably, and numerically benefits the entire community of Bitcoin holders. Right. So, so whatever else you can say, this person, whatever their stated preference, they're expressed, you know, like they may say something, what they're actually doing is benefiting other BTC holders. 
and, and the thing about this is it's a two by two, right? Like, you know, you can find folks who are big hodlers who also, you know, like, like talk a big game, but you can also find folks who are big holders who are completely silent on social media. And conversely and interestingly, folks who are not that large as hodlers, but who style themselves as, as defenders of the faith or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and what, what I'd like to do is try an alternate experiment. If you have a community, let's say we can build Nakamoto into a community of 100,000 or a million BTC hodlers. Well, that's good. But guess what? Everybody now has something to talk about that they have in common. For example, you get in a taxi today. You know, people used to say, oh, the weather or sports, those are apolitical. But they're, they're political now. People, some people will talk about, you know, I'm not taking any position on this, okay, please. But they'll talk about climate change or they'll talk about kneeling, right, like in, in sports. The weather and sports are now political, right? So by having a shibboleth, by having a community where everybody is a BTC hodler, uh, that's something that's in common. It's a rooting interest. It's a cultural thing over time that arises, but also it's a cap on virtue signaling. Now, there's another aspect which I didn't talk about, but let me let me let me float it. Um, I also want to have subcommunities. Okay, so let's say we have a hundred thousand total people here. So we have a thousand people who are into zero knowledge proofs, and if it, it might be proof of uh, holding Bitcoin and proof of building to to be part of the the main community, but to be part of that zero knowledge subcommunity, you might need to pass an exam on zero knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Or you're part of a Zcash subcommunity and you hold Zcash, or you're part of a you know, an XYZ subcommunity and you hold that. Um, or you're like a longer term, you're part of like a physician subcommunity and you have a medical degree, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the point being that we have this common thing, right, which is everybody is a holder and everybody's a builder as reflected in kind of letters of recommendation from other people. But then there's subcommunities that build off of this. So it's literally Bitcoin and, not Bitcoin or. And we're trying to build crypto civilization rather than crypto anarchy. Okay, let me pause there and get your, get your thoughts. So, so it, it, it sounds great, right? Because it's day one. Um, and, and, you know, aside from some, you know, mean tweets and, and you know, some, some folks that were trying to hijack the chat over the, over the weekend, um, you know, Telegram group grew from zero to, what, 7,000? Or, or, or Twitter went to 7,000. Telegram it's like 10,000 now, but yeah. Right. Between, yeah sure. the, between, the, between the two, it's, it's, it's you know, over 10,000 now. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to launch the way that, it, that you did um, in terms of getting the contributor base lined up and having, you know, people that you've known, that you've done business with kind of rally around this and say, yes, we're sick of, you know, all the distractions of Twitter. Um, but what, what hasn't proven out yet, and, and I'm curious when it really comes into play, because today it's just, you know, very high quality articles that are getting posted. But um, if that's it, then that just becomes propaganda, right? There, there's no steel man case against, or there's no check against claims that are being made in this, you know, education resource that is very much a pro-growth, pro, you know, crypto community. Um, and as soon as you start to go into the, the critiques or the, you know, not even critiques, just I would just say if you had like a, a, a prospectus for each crypto asset, you could get the business description and risk factor just by taking like the big holders and all the people that would shit on it on crypto Twitter. And you'd, you'd have all of like the, the pros and cons for the investment case for these things. Um, that there's signal in some of that noise that's on, on Twitter, but how do you replicate and, and at least make this sane so that it's not all one direction or, or the other, because I'd argue it might even be a little bit more dangerous for people to go in without eyes wide open about some of the risks, again, because these are financial assets, not just underlying 
communications technologies like the internet? So my short answer is I want to outsource that to Masari, which is doing a phenomenal job. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, my, my we'll take it. That was, that was not planned, but sure. Fine. But, uh, Masari.io, you know, go, go to, yeah, okay. But um, my, my longer answer is we're not an investment community. Mm -hmm. We don't offer a buy XYZ button. We don't plan to do that. Uh, we're not making investment recommendations. I probably, like if we ever run, I'm not, I shouldn't say never ever, but if we ever run anything on like technical analysis, we'll be focused on stochastic processes, Brownian motions, you know, ARMA calculations. We'll be focused on the math of it as opposed mm -hmm. to like, you know, the orange coin because go of the up. phase of the moon, go ahead. Orange coin go up. Yeah, but exactly. Or because of the phase of the moon, like, and these Bollinger bands, you should buy this at this time, you know, like that's mm -hmm. fine. You know, people make their stuff on that. I have no, I have no interest in that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I want to keep, um, I want to keep price talk out of there. I want to keep buying and selling crypto out of there. I want to focus on learning and earning. And, uh, and, and that's different actually, right? Like it, it's, it's a difference between speculating in a foreign exchange market versus, you know, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay or academia. You know, it's, it's just a different culture. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of critique, like I would welcome, for example, technical critiques of things that are phrased constructively. For example, um, here are five technical considerations that XYZ's proof of stake will have to, you know, consider. Or um, this is a security hole that we reported and fixed with this smart contract and here's our postmortem, right? That type of stuff, constructive criticism, 100% would love to, love to do that. Um, but we're not trying to get folks educated about an investment. I intentionally want to push that out. And, and one way of thinking about that is the difference between ETH research versus ETH trader, if you're familiar with those two communities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, so, so maybe that answers your question or I can, I can go further. No, I, I think that's helpful. And, and maybe um, well, let's take a step back from just Nakamoto. I, I think most people that have been in the industry for a while, in particular, the people that are kind of in the day-to-day -day, um, chaos. Uh, you know, I started as an internet troll, right? Uh, that's, that's how I broke <laughs> into the industry because sure. I was anonymous and I could just talk shit and that's how I learned. But, um, but for most people, it's a massive distraction. Uh, you know, I just, I can, I can brush most of it off because you know, I've, I've been around and have the scar tissue, but yep. it is, um, it is intimidating to kind of come into the, the information fold and, and just have all this thrown at you. So, um, I think there, you know, it, it's obvious that there's value and that a community like this should exist. And, and most of the, you know, the builders in the industry would like to see something like this exist that, uh, isn't focused on clickbait or, or, or the negative, but a little bit more sober, um, almost like a replica of what you would expect to have in person if you could meet with yeah, the same exactly. folks, you know, That's on right. a conference circuit, which is basically, I, I think, why people travel the world and go to all these same conferences because it's just, you know, one continuous conversation that's not really been filled um, in the virtual world. It's just, you know, you have to go from meet space to meet space. To your um, point also, on, uh, you know, you, you're probably aware of this, you know, maybe some listeners are, but crypto Twitter is way more civil and interesting in person. And there's folks who are fundamentalists online who are actually very much not so in person. Yes. Yeah. Every, everybody's their worst self on Twitter, I guess. Um, it's, yeah. You know, although, it's, I, although I might have the record for this because I, I've met so many people online or, or in person that say, you're not so bad in person, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think part of the, so first the Twitter's incentives get you more likes and tweets for more exclamation marks and more yelling. That's, that's a big part of it. The other thing is I think Twitter and social media turns people into actors. They're playing mm-hmm. a caricature of themselves. It's like method acting where they're just never out of character, right? Like their audience expects a certain tone from them and it reinforces that. And in the same way that you, you know, you go to Chipotle and you expect a certain flavor. And if that flavor has changed on you, you're like, huh, I didn't come here for this, right? And the audience will give you negative feedback. And so you become a more and more like, you know, concentrated version of whatever this caricature is. Um, but go ahead, you're, you're saying. Um, well, uh, I'd love to know how you view the, the crypto information landscape period right now, right? Because th- I think this yep. helps on the community element, but um, you know, what, uh, there's, there's been a significant level up on the data side, on the research side. There, there's obviously you know, dozens of sub-communities now uh, for all the different protocols. Um, where do you see Nakamoto continuing to grow uh, and, and kind of fill this community niche? And, and what would be some of the first um, third-party integrations that you would, you would hope to do? Because you mentioned having some other crypto-native features to this over time. Absolutely. So first, let me say what it's not, right? So um, it's not a competitor to uh, like the block or CoinDesk, which is breaking news. Um, mm-hmm. We're not doing the kinds of, you know, dashboards and data analysis that, you know, you guys are doing at Masari or that CoinMarketCap is doing. Um, I mean, we may publish like interactive widgets and so on, but not mm-hmm. price-focused type stuff for investment decisions. Uh, obviously, we're not building an exchange like Coinbase or Kraken or, or, or Binance or what have you. Um, and we're also trying to not be the food fight of crypto Twitter and Reddit and what Okay, so if that's all the things we're not, what are mm-hmm. we? Um, we're, we're basically a positive sum community for folks to ask dumb questions. And, you know, for example, one, I mean, that's just one way of doing it, but to ask dumb questions, to get smart, to learn, and to earn. So that's, that's the whole, I think, we fill. And, you know, Ryan, I, I can't show you all of these DMs and signals that I got but mm-hmm. like my resolve to build something like that, I probably got 200, something like that, DMs, signals, mm-hmm. telegrams, et cetera, for people saying, thank you. I'm so tired of having to like slug it out, including, interestingly, some people who have a persona that's actually very different than, than this, okay? Uh, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Like it, it actually well, it kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you, you at some point you want to have uh, a sober source that you can read, right? Even if you're going to carry on 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 Twitter or Reddit. It is it, it is exactly honestly like you know somebody raised in a Christian fundamentalist sect or what have you. And again, mm-hmm. I've got nothing against Christianity. I'm not trying to diss Christianity or what have you. Okay, I'm neutral on it. But but it's somebody like raised in a fundamentalist sect who has to repeat certain kinds of things, but would also like an environment where they can find out about molecular phylogenetics and learn about evolution. And maybe this thing is something interesting and important, you know? Um, and uh, so that's actually related to another point, which is over time, what I'd like to do at Nakamoto are build crypto native features. Let me give you some examples. So one big one would be pseudonymity. Okay. So if you, if you're a beginner or you have some reputation, which is at variance with, you know, like you're, you're curious about zero knowledge. Okay. Um, but you don't want to be called out for that because, oh, you're showing interest in a coin that your tribe doesn't like or whatever, right? Capulets and, and Montag, so to speak, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so you put on a pseudonym and you come in and you discuss it and you learn. 
And, or you're, you're somebody who, uh, you're, you're a professor and you think you should be expert in compilers, for example, but you're not totally clear what this opcode thing is, um, but you also don't want to like reveal that, okay? Then you boom, you, you come in and you come in under a pseudonym, you ask dumb questions, you can learn, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's like one crypto native feature is I want to allow for pseudonyms as shields, not swords. Because mm -hmm. Satoshi used pseudonymity as a shield, not a sword, if that makes sense, right? You're not attacking someone from behind the pseudonym. You're using it to sort of just, just be able to ask questions without you know, facing personal assaults, number one. And I gave a talk on this a while back, the pseudonymous economy. Number two, the kinds of things I'd like to roll is a second example of a crypto-native feature. Again, this is over time, but prediction market style bets. Right? Mm -hmm. Small amounts of money, but simply to put it on the record that I think this, I think that, you start to build a portfolio of the things you believe or whatever over time. And again, you can do this under a pseudonym. Um, and it's, it's really meant more for kind of personal accountability or what have you. Like, I called this, I didn't call that. Now, there's obvious, you know, retorts to that. What if someone placed a thousand bets and they only surfaced the one that, you know, they, they won on and, and whatnot. And, and there's ways to, to deal with that. Meaning, you know, you, you bet on both the, the win and the lose outcome and you mm -hmm. only claim the win outcome. There's counter arguments, which are, um, well, first, if you did that across 10 things, you would have to have two to the 10th different accounts and it starts to cost you real money to be able to bet on all those things. And second is it will be a combination of signals. It's not just prediction markets. But the point basically being that uh, these are things people have talked about for a long time is building crypto native features into things. What I've started to realize is um, it's probably not going to be done by most, uh, most sites. And if we build up a positive community here, that's actually like the first prerequisite then we can roll these kinds of things out as, as number two. And I've got more ideas on this, like being able to earn crypto, of course, earning pseudonymously, other kinds of things, but I want to build the future that I want to live in. Well, it's a, it's a worthwhile project, uh, definitely uh, aspirational uh, in its focus, and, and I think it's going to really continue to pick up steam, uh, particularly as you continue to roll out features and, and uh, add to the contributor base, which the, the content has been phenomenal so far. So. Uh, definitely uh, appreciate uh, you coming on and, and sharing a little bit more info here. Where can people get involved and uh, and sign up for early access? Well, you can uh, just follow us at Twitter.com Nakamoto, or um, and you can view us at Nakamoto.com. Everything will be put out on the Twitter feed, um, and uh, and you can also follow me at, at @balajs and DM me if you have any questions. Balaji, always a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll run into each other in person soon, or at least on Nakamoto. So, of course. thanks again. Thank you. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern Time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.